This is a. I like that you're trying to trick me more, but I kind of see the the mischievous look on your face. I don't know as though it's a trick. Oh, you were trying to trick it me. Is, it is, in fact, a greeting. This is the beginning of a show. Yeah, but you were trying to trick me. This is the beginning of what show is this the beginning of? Thinking Like a Lawyer. That's right. Thinking. I knew that one. Give me another one. These are easy. Okay. And who are you? Catherine Urbino. Okay, good. She got that. Uh, I'm Joe Patrice. We're joined by Chris Williams. Hello. Didn't take that. Yeah, okay, there you go. He didn't take the <laughs> obvious opportunity to say hello. All right, yes. Yeah, so, and we're all from Above the Law. This is the show where we go over a quick recap of some of the big stories in the legal world of the week before, hopefully, you know, to educate and entertain. Mostly entertain. Yeah, that's what I, that's what we try to do. We are here. Uh, it is November. It is, uh, well, it's time for small talk, I suppose. So. Small talk. Let's have a little bit of small talk. It is we're doing this show at a different time, but at the same time, uh, we just uh, we just had a time shift. Oh yeah. Oh. So back in the yeah. Did you did Uh-oh, you not realize you that? Have no, you, you made it just, to the show on time, so you must. Have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I just saw twelve and was like, oh, let's do it. Yeah. So there is somewhere in the archives. There's an old episode where I think where me and Ellie have a long argument about whether or not daylight saving time should exist. He He's one of those Who's people- Who's on who the right side that it shouldn't? That is the wrong side, and that was Ellie. Uh, the, <laughs> the correct answer is yes, absolutely, it has to exist. And we know this because in the 70s, they got rid of it because a bunch of people said, we shouldn't have it. We should have one set time for the whole year. And it was such an unmitigated disaster, and everyone hated it so much, they- only lasted a year, and then they reverted to having daylight saving again. Uh, everyone thinks it's really a horrible decision for the first week of both time changes, and then after about a week, it becomes pretty clear why we have to do it. Which is? Because otherwise, it would start getting really absurd, the times. It, it's, it's a whole long, fascinating history of the Nixon administration trying to get rid of daylight saving time. I mean, I understand the sort of frustration and as a mom for the first time, understanding uh, that, you know, children's schedules are certainly disrupted by daylight saving time. But I always watch like the kids waiting for the bus stop in my neighborhood at like and they, that bus in our na- my neighborhood comes at 630 in the morning. That is very, very early. And it is very, very dark. if We don't do this. Yeah. So I always felt bad for the kids on the bus. Yeah, no, I mean it gets it gets ridiculously too dark if you if in in the mornings if you don't do this. Uh and you know, that's what people hate when people and in this argument that we had, and I believe we had a guest who was also on Ellie's side at the time. The problem is what people actually hate is the fact that the earth gets shorter days versus longer days. <laughs> yeah. Like you're mad at you're mad at the orbit. You're not mad at the saving time. The saving time is just reflecting how we try to deal with the orbit. Uh, and so if you kept permanent daylight saving time, it's not like the winter. There's, you know, sun's going to be out until nine in the winter. That's just right. not how that's that works. Just, yeah. No, I, I definitely hear what you're saying, but this is not super controversial at this point. Like it is what it is, whether it changes or it, it doesn't. It is super controversial. Like I mean, People are still like go up in arms about it all the time. 
Yeah, I remember I was at a Second Amendment protest and somebody had an AK and was like, don't touch our clocks. <laughs> I mean, it, no, it, it it absolutely happens. Obviously, we're recounting the time that Ellie was arguing about it. There's tons of folks who jump on social media every every clock change to complain about it. I mean, I think people complain about it, but I mean, even if we did something about it, but I don't know, this doesn't strike me as a particularly wild concept. No, it, uh, again, you, you are very much in the minority on this. Lots of people view this as a very... Cause, you know, a cause that they rally around in and bitch about. You know what? People, if, if that's the case and Joe is right, people live very privileged lives because I don't yeah. remember while I may have lost sleep over this shifting of daylight savings, oh. I've never lost sleep over it, you know? Well, I mean, you don't lose slip, sleep over this. You lose sleep in the spring. Well, I think he meant the concept. Of I know. I know what he meant. That well, was just it was an attempt at humor. It was, a, it was double it. entendre. Do you? Yeah. Do we? Are we giving out participation awards now? I think maybe we got to wait for an actual one to hit. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we do. You do. You do. I mean, I'm the arbiter of what what gets a participation award. So yes. All right. So anywho, with all of that, our. our diversion into daylight saving time, the most important legal issue of our era, let's transition to having a conversation about uh, actual legal stories, eh? Sure. Marking the end of small talk. Hey, so what happened this week? Uh, I think the biggest story since last time we all chatted was a, at least as far as us at Above the Law, was a story about Nixon Peabody. Everyone's a winner. Everyone That is, is a very, very old above the law reference. It is. It's old school above the law. And for those who maybe don't know the story, nor necessarily should you, because I think all the recordings of it have been stripped from the internet as, oh, only, yeah, they, a, yeah, they, as only a big law firm can do. They, mm. they got aggressive about it being all over the internet. So several years ago, there was a effort by Nixon Peabody to, you know, be cool and fun. And they commissioned a song about Nixon Peabody uh, that they played at some like retreat or something like that. Uh, the song, the lyric was that uh, everyone's a winner at, at Nixon Peabody. Yeah. So that song was uh, <laughs> really embarrassing. And it, it wasn't great. And we posted it on Above the Law. And there was a mm -hmm. lot of laugh, a laughter. Good laugh was had by all except for except Nixon Peabody. the people who, who paid for it. Filed a bunch of uh, <laughs> copyright <laughs> notices to get it taken down from the internet all over the place uh, mm -hmm. because they had exactly the sense of humor that you would expect from Nixon Peabody. So with all that said, uh, everyone's a winner there. That has nothing to do with the day, the current story. No, the current worth, story. worth repeating whenever we can. The current story is about how there may not be some winners there. The big fight right now, apparently, is that Nixon Peabody has shown up in the District Court of Massachusetts. So they've entered an appearance. So they've entered an appearance in the District of Massachusetts representing Donald Trump. The case at issue is an attempt by someone in Massachusetts to argue that Trump should not be allowed to be on the ballot in Massachusetts, arguing that the 14th Amendment prohibits him from that from appearing on a ballot. Uh, that's the he's, those might recall. This is a pet theory that's going around uh, if folks recently as, backed up by some academic work as, from the right, by the way, as, as well. diverse yeah. voices as Lawrence tribe and will Bowdy, like both, both are talking about the idea that 
When they wrote the 14th Amendment, they might have actually meant it. (laughs) Right. The 14th Amendment was written as a response to the Civil War. It included some language that said if you were, you know, part of that insurrection against the part of a insurrection against the United States, you don't get to ever hold office again. Uh, That is an argument that's being made as why Trump should not be on any ballots. Uh, Someone has sued in Massachusetts fronting that argument. Nixon Peabody is defending Donald Trump in that claim. Now, one could say, and Nixon Peabody, you know, could did it at least at the beginning of its its motion. One could argue that this is a simple jurisdictional standing issue. You know, you're like random citizens don't have the ability to sue over this. If this amendment means anything, you know, it's it's not self executing. It requires Congress to do something. Yada yada. Mm-hmm, yada. Mm-hmm. They do that, and then they make a bunch of arguments that are like January sixth. I mean, come on. Not so bad, right? I like, mean, yeah. Seems like that's just a First Amendment thing, huh? Yeah. Not, uh, not great. Which brings us, well, okay, so anybody going to help make this kind of well, less of no, a monologue? I, yeah. I mean, which of us has not stormed the Capitol? You know? I mean, right? <laughs> I mean, whom amongst us has not... This is why to... we don't engage with you, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. What? What? being corrected on our grammar. Oh, no, I don't actually think that is a correction. I I think I'm doing it intentionally wrong, frankly. But the actual story here is what's going on within Nixon Peabody. From what we are hearing from sources inside the firm, how does a big law firm at this point get Donald Trump as a client? Every other major corporate law firm is running away from Trump uh, as fast as they possibly can, even Jones Day. It's true. At that point... It's not like this is doesn't have a carry a knock-on effect for everyone else in the firm. Everyone else in the firm has clients who don't want to be anywhere near Trump. Who don't want to be represented by Trump's lawyers. Right. They're getting a bad rep, frankly. Yeah. I mean, it, it, look, they, and every time this comes up, somebody will always say, doesn't everybody deserve representation? Sure. They don't deserve your representation. So... You actually have to balance whether or not you are, you know, your lawyer life with your business life. And some other firm could be doing this and not compromising your work with a bunch of your corporate clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the sort of thing that you would assume would get caught up at some point in the client intake process when partners or uh, firms that are big enough, there are committees whose job it is to look at this and make sure that these issues don't arise. Uh, according to the reporting that we, you know, we've gotten, it seems as though that might have been bypassed in this case, Yikes. which would be problematic if it were true, that somehow this got done over no one having an opportunity to object until they saw it later. That seems to be spurring a lot of internal dialogue that they should step down, they should leave the firm. I mean, they, th- this isn't the first leaving the firm to represent, right? Like, Sure, sure. Like you covered one. Yeah, yeah, folks have have definitely felt like their bread was buttered on the MAGA side and decided to pursue that. But I think that this might be the first time where they appear to have taken the client Mm -hmm. and sort of asking for forgiveness rather than permission. Right. Like I'm talking about like the Todd Blanche situation Mm -hmm. where Blanche decides, wants to represent Trump goes to his big law firm. Big law firm says, you can do that, but you are going we to be leaving the firm. We are not going to do this. <laughs> uh, and, and that's how one would assume this would go right. down. Uh, apparently, Nixon has not done that. 
Yeah, so we're going to we're going to be monitoring closely to see if there's any fallout from this. If, you know, the partner involved leaves the firm, if the partner involved drops the case, if mm-hmm. there's some sort of repercussions up the chain. Do we see a managing partner get in trouble for, you know, maybe technically some, maybe being where the buck gave, stops, yeah. you know? Yeah. Interesting situation developing over at Nixon Peabody. But yeah, you got to you gotta care about what your business is too. You know? Yeah, and I, and I think that that's really what this comes down to. I know we kind of did a 14th Amendment uh, detour here, but really it comes down to business practices, right? Like big law firms ultimately are corporations, maybe they're organized as partnerships, whatever, but they are a corporate entity that has to not just think about, you know, these sort of even idolized opinions about the law, what the law should be. They have to balance those with both different kinds of, of, you know, corporate interests, both from their client side, as well as from the recruiting side, because fundamentally big law firms need to also recruit people to work there. If they want the best and the brightest, they want to be able to say that they are doing, you know, X kind of client matters. And if you have, if you're a law student and you are a lateral and you have multiple options, it's very possible that you don't want one. You don't want to work for a firm that emboldens Donald Trump. Yeah. Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Gee, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Gee, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network, available wherever podcasts are found. Okay, we're back. So one thing about that firm deciding to represent what is clearly a dumpster fire of a client, it's not like <laughs> it's not like Trump has something on the firm or anything, right? Well, you know, that is that is an interesting point. I, I don't know about having anything on the firm, but it is true that Trump did issue a pardon to a Nixon Peabody partner. Ooh. It was kind of a thing that was a former partner like involved in financial thing. Like, I, who knows? I mean, maybe they did them a solid. I don't know. Little quid pro MAGA? I don't know. I don't know. Like, it, it just seems a little too on the nose that Nixon is involved in dealing with a... <laughs> With a bunch of pardons and wow, that, that, that was yeah. not that is not a connection that I had previously thought through. There, there are times where like the the notion of the eternal recurrence comes to mind from all the <laughs> philosophy. I'm like, yep, Nietzsche was on to something. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, switching switching from one kind of philosophy to. A slightly different one. Let's talk a little bit more about aesthetics. Sam Bankman-Fried, who is guilty uh, and will be 
going to some form of prison here, almost assuredly. But before he did, some of you may have found uh, a sketch going around. Yes. Of of, Of Tyler Durden. (laughs) So that was my, my take was Tyler Durden. I did see, and this is more for Chris's benefit, because I'm not as, as expert on these programs as you are, but I heard someone also on social media refer to it, refer to it as like looking like an extra from the next season of JoJo's. I see that the strong lines, <laughs> okay, the strong <laughs> yeah. lines, and like, so yeah, I was going to say I could make a reference for um, people that watch. It was as if the is it, would it be the stenographer that would have drawn him? No, right? No, no. So there's courtroom sketch artist. Uh, Got you. Although that that is somewhat controversial. It yeah. looked like if the sketch art artist was a uh, Rohan from Part Four. People that people that are caught up on Joe are going to love that. Everybody else, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about it. So, as far as courtroom sketch artists, that is kind of the thing. Like, especially given the aesthetic of all the other images that have come out, this was uh, uh, weird. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried does not look at all like Mm -hmm. the uh, image that was drawn of a kind of Brad Pitt-like character. But all of the all the other courtroom sketches here in New York tend to have uh, what I would frame as kind of like a early 20th century expressionism look, mm, like a dark that's a very expressionism. Specific, but uh, yes. So Jane Rosenberger does does these Im- these court images for and has forever, uh, or at least a very long time in New York, mm-hmm. uh, draws these characters in like you know they don't really look like who they look like they look like they're melting almost always yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, that's, that's a yes that's there, a very stupid there's kind of an it's real art uh when she does this like it 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 looks like kind of drawing on the emotions of the room not like the an actual substitute for a photograph basically mm-hmm. would like impressionist yeah well i think it i think it's more expressionism than impressionism this is much more like Monks the scream than it is mm. lilies or you sure, know, whatever. Sure, sure. So yeah, and, and this isn't the first time this has happened. Obviously, some people will remember when Tom Brady was in court. There was a sketch that she did with it looked like Tom Brady was literally deflating as a person, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like his balls. Well, y- you mean the? I, I mean, hit the football. I mean, yeah. I meant the the deflate gate scandals. What yeah. I was referencing, I mean, okay. quite specifically. <laughs> You know, and this ties all together. This is too, a family show, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> because didn't didn't Tom Brady lose a ton of money on FTX? Isn't that a thing? Like, I think he's like actually one of the victims here of Sam Bankman Free. Wasn't he a spokesperson? Yeah. So, but also, I think weren't the spokespeople sued? Sure. And now there's an argument whether or not spokespeople who are getting paid to just do commercials actually are doing anything that makes them liable when the company commits a fraud or some or not. But that aside, I get my understanding is that he and Giselle before that uh, marriage started having issues uh, actually invested a ton in this. So probably stuff. also lost money. Probably actually a victim. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the day. There's like just the pictures of this, uh, the picture of them that was made. And it's like, this is your brain on crypto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So, so it seems as though what happened here is someone probably a former billionaire has hired some other artist to draw a picture that is much more flattering because this is absolutely not a Jane Rosenberg original is my (laughs) takeaway of this, especially, I mean, even at the time Jane was writing, uh, was drawing 
images that weren't like this. And it spilled over after that because after my story went up, Donald Trump Jr. testified in the court case in mm-hmm. New York State Court that's going on and apparently said to Jane that she should make him look sexy like the Sam Bankman freed. And she was like, that's that was not me. And that's fake. Amazing. Uh, but it, but it's carrying over. All these people now want, uh, they want the, the SBF treatment. They, they want this. They want the sexy pictures, not the <laughs> not the accurate ones. I mean. What do you know? It's something that looked really good on paper, but it turned out it really wasn't real at all. Oh, what a I like it. I metaphor like it. for <sighs> the case. Anyway. My, th- my thing is, you know, AI in its limited capacities is already being replaced. I think we should leave the deep fakes to algorithms. This was <laughs> like a deep fake of uh, Sam. Well, like in a world where we talk about cameras in the courtroom and stuff like that, like in, you know, in some of these courtrooms, you can just take pictures of these people. I actually think maybe 20 years ago, maybe what artists in the vein of what Jane Rosenberg is doing were not necessarily what you wanted. But now in a world where you can actually take pictures realistically of people testifying and speaking in court, there's a value to that the courtroom sketch artist is not trying to do that. The sketch artist is trying to draw out something more artistic about Mm. the mood of the place actually seems more on point now that you aren't relying on them as photo, you know, substitute for photo realism. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, Interesting, too, because I think courtroom sketches and as much as, you know, I I do think that we should have more cameras in the courtroom and whatnot. But there is sort of a this is one of the few instances where as a public we're still paying for artwork. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Like that's not as common as it once was. That's fair. We are back. We have one more topic to deal with. Kind of a controversial-ish one. Uh, There was a letter released by signatories of several big law firms. Uh, More big law firms joined the letter after it came out, and more law firms signed on as uh, as the week went went going. Uh, The letter makes a statement against anti-Semitism rising uh, around the country, which is obviously an understandable statement. But it then takes a turn and argues that this is a problem in law schools specifically, which, I mean, maybe a vector of a, a site of it, but not necessarily the only one. And then they take the stand that this is the law school dean's fault, not theirs. Mm-hmm. And that they demand that law school deans have a dialogue with them, which sounds more like a monologue, have a dialogue with them to explain what are you going to do about it, uh, as opposed to, you know, the firms themselves taking any action of their own. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that anti-Semitism is awful but it is a fact of our society that we have to deal with on a wholesale level. It's not if, if law schools were uniquely generating anti-Semitism in a way that other places aren't or weren't and there wasn't wasn't we weren't seeing it anywhere else. This might be relevant. Yeah. I mean, look, it, there have been some bad instances and incidents at law schools. Sure. But the issue is what really bothered me about this letter, because I viewed it very much as a cop out kind Mm -hmm. of letter. It was, we want to take a stand on an issue, but we refuse to get into the details because that might be, that might be hard work. So we're just going to blame law school deans. And there are problems around the country, some of which have been on campuses, but the most egregious of those incidents, the administrations are dealing with. Uh, Mm -hmm. They are penalizing people or getting involved when there's cases of 
graffiti and harassment. Like, if anybody's going to school ties anybody. Wow. The okay. s- yeah. Wow. Yeah. Brandon Frazier. Yeah. Early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. And, I mean, listen, it's very relevant. Yeah. The whole movie's about anti-Semitism. It is. It's yeah, about it's anti-Semitism great. on a campus. I, I, great, I mean, I'm re- really... Great, great reference. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so if anybody's going to school ties anybody, then the administration is going to react. The problem that's facing the campuses right now is that there's a series of issues in the middle. Uh, at what point does a protest move from your protesting someone based on being Jewish versus protesting someone based on them taking a stance about the war, mm-hmm. uh, which it would be kind of a core political speech issue. At what point are certain phrases advocating for crimes against humanity versus a slogan that, that's commonly used? Like these are the difficult questions which law school deans have to deal with, and they are trying to deal with them, and they may be dealing with them wrong. I'm making no normative judgment about how they're dealing with it, but those are hard questions. And the problem is these law firms want to parachute in, say, you're doing everything wrong, but it's all on you. They argue, oh, well, we have to hire from you, so you have to get this right. Well, what would be more useful would be a letter directed at law students in which these firms take a tangible stance, mm-hmm. say, this is this phrase, this phrase, this kind of protest, this kind of statement will be things that we won't hire you over. And we will probably criticize at the margins some of those calls. But that's that's what happens. That's what hard work is. You expose yourself to some criticism. They just want all the credit and none and do none of the hard work. Yeah. And I mean, this reeks to me of being a, they want the they, they do want something out of it. They want the headlines. They want the New York Times yeah. to say boldly top law firms take bold stance against anti-Semitism. Yeah. Which, you know, great. And then it didn't. And well, like, but it, it took a stand yeah. against anti-Semitism, and they just wanted the headlines. They want they want the credit for doing the right thing without right. have without doing more than writing a letter, without having to have people who are actually making the decisions on the back end that are difficult. I mean, look, I, I don't want to pick on one firm in particular, but you know that's just kind of the nature of this. I'll pick on one that I know are big kids and can deal with it. Kirkland and Ellis advertises that they do work for countries that don't recognize Israel's right to exist. If this is an issue you really care about, it would seem they also sign the letter. maybe that's the business. That they also you... sign the letter? What? Kirkland and Ellis also signed yes, the letter. Yes, they are okay. a signatory to the letter. It seems like maybe that would be a place where you as a firm could start if this were an issue you really cared about, then instead v- making vague allusions. The juxtaposition of those two facts is difficult to reconcile. Yeah, make vague allusions about how law school deans are somehow screwing everything up. Yeah, you don't want you don't want to be like completely cynical and say, oh, this is just PR necessarily. But the those two facts, it's difficult to understand them without saying the very cynical, this is a PR move designed yeah. to make people feel better about their stance without actually losing a dime in business. And look, maybe Kirkland Nellis has separated from those clients at some point in the past. I have no idea. But I do know that just as an as an exercise in figuring this stuff out, I did a quick one. I chose them because they're the big they biggest, got a lot of clients. They're the biggest one, <laughs> yeah. right? And so I went with them and and just took a look and looked around their website and found multiple places where they were saying, oh, you know, and our Middle East practice works with these this country and this country. And I'm like, well, okay. Yeah. Then, they don't, they then don't this seems Israel. like this becomes a very cynical statement. Yeah. 
that was just my take. And I will say, I'm going to do a follow-up story at some point. Uh, there are some firms who reached out to me who were not original signatories of this, who wanted to share that they have taken some concrete steps. And, you know, that's, I'm interested in hearing about that mm -hmm. because I think that is the sort of Potentially thing that needs more to Potentially yeah. more relevant to- Much more relevant. Making the world a better place. Yeah, instead of blaming- Academics, blame Canada. No, like, blame, blame law schools. Look, I, I blame law schools for a lot in my life. <laughs> but I really don't think that there's an effort on any of these folks' part to intentionally or unintentionally make things worse. Mm -hmm. They are trying to come up with a solution that deals with Balances a lot of- Balances a lot of, of different factors. Yeah. It's a complicated issue. I mean, it, it, it's, it's certainly there are areas where it gets complicated. Like there, there's- sure clearly problems and then there are problems that get a little more messy and yeah. the firms i think want credit by making the vaguest statement possible and you know that you have to do the hard work i mean there are there are people in government that are actively resigning over the yeah. stakes of what's happening like there was a um there was a person that was at the un that resigned and he was like this mm -hmm. is a textbook genocide right um, yeah well i mean not a, yeah they, no that was that was his word Right, no, no. It, the um, I'm clarifying here. So this is a new in the out of the New York office. This was the somebody with the UN Commission on Refugees, Refugees I believe, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, who filed a letter arguing that uh, this meets the international definition as existing in, and under the, Geneva and all, the, and not calling yes. it that was yeah. a problem. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. So like you have people in high places that are speaking out and acting. Like students are going to do. They're going to protest, yeah. what have you, right? Things will happen. Right. And how they protest and w whether that crosses professionalism lines and stuff like that are going to be issues and issues that law firms have every right to act on and probably should act on. But that's not on the deans, mm -hmm. you know, like, and that, that's something on you all as a firm to make your own decisions. And, and even if it is on the deans, and I don't necessarily think that every dean is doing a perfect job because whatever, but it is certainly not the law firm's place to blame them when their house is not in order. Right. Right. You don't get to, you don't get to do this until you've cleaned your side of the street. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's the way to take it. Yeah. All right. Well, with all that said, on the kind of a downer note. The world is kind of a downer. So. I guess that's fair. I mean. That's fair. All right. Well, so with, unless there's anything else, I think uh, we're done. Thanks, everybody, for listening this week. You should be checking out the show on your podcast source of choice so that you get new episodes when they come come out. You should be giving reviews, stars, writing things. It always helps. You should be following the uh, us on social media. The, above the law is at ATL blog. I'm at Joseph Patrice. Catherine's at Catherine One, the numeral one. Chris is at Rights for Rent. That's all on Twitter. On the Blue Sky, I'm doing at Joe Patrice. That's the change. But otherwise, everyone's doing the same handles. You should be listening to the Jabot, Catherine's other podcast. You can check out the Legal Tech Week Journalist Roundtable that I'm a guest on every week. You should be listening to the other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Always read Above the Law so that you read these and other stories before they come out. And, you know, with that... Uh, Peace! Yeah, I think we're done. Peace. If 
you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.